0: Hey everybody, you're in the right place. This is Business of Design. We are all about the interior design professional. Whether you're a designer, decorator, stager, stylist, architect, or someone who's thinking about diving into business, this is the one place you can go to get the straight Talk and today I'm going to be flying solo. I thought it was time for me to just have a one-on-one, and I'm going to be talking about a subject that came up at the Palm Springs Business of Design Elite Retreat. And you'll want to get in on this next time we do it for sure. So they there will be announcements. In January about some new initiatives and events that are happening in the business of design world. So stay tuned for that. But I had to do, uh, the conversation at the retreat had to do with apologizing and how to effectively apologize to clients. When can you apologize? When does it make you look weak? When does it make you look strong? When is it your fault? Because let's face it, sometimes it's complicated who's at fault. We did some learning around communication styles, particularly verbal versus written communication styles, female versus male communication styles, and how you approach communication can have a big impact on how your client internalizes what happens on your job site and ultimately how they perceive the experience of working with you. When something goes wrong, and let's be honest, doesn't something go wrong nearly every day? Uh, the client doesn't always know it's gone wrong, but we know it's gone wrong. For example, today I've got someone on a job site, one of my project managers on a job site, we're waiting for the moving company to come and pick up a master bed that they damaged when they delivered to the client has to be repaired they are two hours late which isn't typical for them so we've got someone standing around and a pair of light fixtures that we have been waiting four months for are now delayed again Um, and that isn't what we planned today at all but that's the reality so will my clients know that that happened no probably not they're on vacation but we know it happened those are the easy ones, right? When it's just you and your team involved and, and it's inconvenient and it's annoying, but you can handle it. Much more challenging, of course, is when the client somehow gets involved or has to be told something has happened and they have to be told. Having to apologize for something got, that's gone wrong is never fun, of course, but sometimes it can forge a way to a stronger relationship, it can mend a fence. It can earn trust with your clients. And when it's authentic and it's sincere, it can actually help strengthen the relationship you have. Bottom line, a good apology can go a long way. If you're like me, though, when I first started out, everything that went wrong, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. I can't believe they did that. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And You know that isn't comforting. That doesn't give a client confidence that you're on top of everything. And I'm cutting myself a break. First of all, I was in my 20s or 30s, and I didn't have as much experience as I do now. And um, truly, I was sorry. (laughs) I was really sorry that this was impacting my life in any way, shape, or form. Um, But back then, it felt more um, a response to something I didn't have control over. And today, more often than not, I do feel like I have more control over the things that happen on my job site, ultimately not total control. So in our offices, something goes wrong. The first thing we want to do is look at responsibility. Where does responsibility for this thing that went wrong lie? On a previous episode, I was discussing integrity and intention with a decorative artist named Beth Halstead. And one of the things she said, uh, we didn't really have time to dig deep into, and it had to do with putting yourself in a position to fail. So something's gone wrong. We do some reflection. We do some internal inventory. We figure out, was there something we could have done to prevent this? And often, uh, the answer is yes, there is something. It doesn't mean we're totally responsible for what went wrong. What it means is we can put another stopgap, another check and balance in place so that when this thing goes wrong in future, we have a better chance of catching it before it unravels. So that's the first thing. Be honest about what your part is in things. And any time I feel like a victim, I know I'm completely off the beam because let's face it, I'm not a victim. I'm so lucky I live in the country I live in, our countries in my case. Um, I'm surrounded by people and friends and family who love me and support me. I have fulfilling work that sustains me financially, emotionally, and spiritually for sure. So there's so much I have to be grateful for. But the reality is if I'm feeling like a victim, I'm not quite getting the point. I referred to the conversation with Beth, and it was something like this. The clients did not pay her. And instead of paying her the money that they owed her, they left her a pair of concert tickets in their stove, which I... I find remarkably odd. It wasn't like on the kitchen island or something. It was instead of paying her, they put a pair of tickets to an Andrea Bocelli concert inside the stove. I I just, anyway, I can't even imagine what that was about. Um, now, it would be really easy for Beth to say those clients are big jerks because, frankly, that's that's a really pathetic thing to do, assuming That Beth did everything she said she was going to do. And believe me, I've known her a long time. If she says she's going to do it, she will do it. So that was a pathetic thing to do. And you could stay stuck there. You could stay stuck in, that client's an idiot, and they shouldn't have done this to me. You can stay there as long as you like. Or you can say, why do I have a business practice that allows clients to do that to me? Why have I allowed that to happen? And in her case, I can say it's because she didn't collect a deposit up front back then, um, and she didn't collect the balance before she finished. I don't think she still collects the balance before she finishes, but I think the holdback is very small now, maybe 25%. So once you get over the shock of someone having treated you poorly and you begin to reflect on whether or not you might have put yourself in that position, you can learn so much about how you want your business to run in future. So lessons are expensive, but lessons are also valuable. So the first thing we do when something goes wrong is we assess. Was there something we could have done to prevent the situation? Or was there something we could have done to check along the way that this was on track or this was going to happen the way we wanted it to? Or in some cases, there was absolutely nothing we could do. It was completely and totally out of our hands and we had no control over the situation. That's a reality. In any one of those cases, I may find myself in a position where I want to apologize to the client, but how I do that is going to impact how I feel about myself and it's going to impact the client's impression of how I'm running my company and how I'm servicing them. So I think it's worthwhile talking about how to apologize well and effectively. Sorry if it's taking me a while to get to the point. Uh, You like what I did there? Uh, It's very hard to be funny all by yourself. I've got nobody to laugh with. I need a laugh track or something like that. Anyway, you don't come here for laughs. I know you come here because you're serious about the business of design as am I. Design is my business. So in order for an apology to be effective, what does it need? I think there has to be some acknowledgement of how it's impacting other people, most notably the client. Um, But I don't think it's a bad practice to also acknowledge, for example, how it's going to impact you and your team. I think it's important with an apology that someone is going to take responsibility for what happened, and more importantly, responsibility for correcting what happened. So naming that key person, I think, is critical. And then I think there's absolutely no reason you can't communicate regret. Of course, you do feel badly this thing happened. Let's be honest, your life would be easier if it hadn't happened as well, but You're not the most important person in this equation. The client is the most important person in this equation. So expressing regret, I think, is a human thing to do. And I think it can go a long way toward building a healthy relationship. As long as we're talking about what ought to be part of an apology, I want to mention right up front what can never be part of uh, an apology. And that is two little words, if and but. I'm really sorry that happened, but... That is just not a good apology. I'm sorry the table isn't here on time, but I told you that kind of thing. That can't work. Um, And then if. I'm sorry if not having the table on time inconveniences you. That one little word, if, is negating the client's experience. Assume that, in fact, not having the table is an enormous inconvenience. And don't put that little word, if, in there. I thought we might run through some scenarios where uh, an apology is required. As usual, My Business Life provides a variety of fodder for the podcast, and the examples I'm going to share are real life, real project, real client examples. Before I jump into five effective apologies, a little housekeeping, and a big thank you. This episode of Business of Design is brought to you by Article.com. Now, you guys know I am fiercely protective of you, so we've done our homework. Article.com is an online-only furniture company, and their vibe is mid-century style and Scandinavian simplicity. I love that. And so do my clients. Its trade program is made up of industry professionals who understand what's important to us as designers and architects. And that means we have a dedicated project support person who has real authority to get stuff done, product sourcing, invoicing, delivery, etc. Sign up for Articles trade program and get access to trade only pricing and easy tax exempt purchasing. This is becoming a bigger issue all the time, right? Because we're purchasing from all over the world. All orders, regardless of size, are shipped for a flat rate of $49. You'll also get your items fast. Most things are in stock and delivered in less than two weeks. So to take advantage of these benefits and more, become an Article Trade member today. Just go to business.article.com to register. That's right. Business is right in the URL. Business.article.com. In terms of housekeeping announcements, I had so much fun in Texas. Thank you so much to Austin, Houston, and Dallas for the big warm welcome. I met amazing design professionals and learned so much about challenges that are happening in those local communities. It's really nice to go and put a face to some of the names I've known for so long. So thanks, everybody, for showing up to that. We are focused in these last two months of 2018 on producing brand new content for businessofdesign.com members. We have 15 new courses we will be launching in 2019, including how to hire effectively, back-end organization of your office, and more checklists in our checklist series. Someone specifically has requested a checklist on how to order flooring, As she ran into a problem with a floating floor and a contractor. So we've got lots of work on our plates in 2018 still to go. And we're looking forward to a robust 2019. We also mentioned that it's time for businessofdesign.com to give itself a raise. We encourage you guys to raise your rates all the time. We haven't done so in many years. We're going up a small 10% bump. But if you are currently a member, nothing to worry about. You'll be locked in for life. If you're not yet a member and you've been thinking about it, jump in during the month of November or December and you'll save big. Currently, our membership is a very low $67.50 a month or $675 annually. Don't forget this includes coaching once a month as well as ongoing mentorship through the courses and our forum. Take advantage of that ridiculously low pricing now and you'll be so glad you did. And I want to thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for your tireless support of businessofdesign.com. We've got your back and I know you've got our back. Thank you so much for being here. And now back to the show. So example number one falls under the category of you promised something impossible to the client. You didn't know it was impossible when you promised it. You either promised it because you are a puppy dog. I think it was uh, Roxana Uzman who said uh, if there was a golden lab who was a designer, it would be her. So in your enthusiasm to please, you said, okay, sure, yeah, we can do that. So maybe that's why you made the promise. Or maybe you made the promise because somebody else gave you their word. So I can think of of an example. Well, actually, I can think of many examples. But let me tell you this one. We were working in a client's home it was a total gut of a basement. It was probably 2,000 square feet. So it wasn't a small room. And they were completely turning the basement into an English pub. So they wanted the walls to be paneled in wood. Um, there was a, an elaborate bar that was built in. Uh, there were seating areas, there was artwork, there was lighting. It was, it was a big production. I've been using the same cabinet maker for, oh my gosh, it's got to be close to 20 years. And every single time he's given me his word in the past he has been accurate about that so along comes some deadlines and he misses them but that's okay we're still in time to finish this before the Christmas holidays we have lots and lots of time before the Christmas holidays it never occurs to me that we're not going to get it finished before the Christmas holidays but of course that is what happens and it has to do with my cabinet maker missing deadline after deadline after deadline despite the fact that I've known him for many years and that. Is atypical behavior. So, what happened? He was ill. He got ill. And rather than come clean immediately and say, I can't handle this, he kept trying to fix it and it just wasn't working. He kept landing back in the hospital. So, what are you going to do in that situation? You promised the client something and now it looks like that's not going to be possible. Well, first of all, you need to share the error with your client. Tell them where things went wrong. I knew before I had this conversation with my client that they were going to be extremely unhappy. So here's sort of how it went down uh, from memory. I told them the first missed deadline and well that wasn't so bad because we could still make up time at the back end. And then I told them the next missed deadline and then I had to tell them the third missed deadline which meant they were not going to have this room finished in time for the holidays and that I knew was a very big deal for them. I was sick about it, but there was very little I could do to force the cabinet maker to keep going. He was unable to keep going. So I had no choice. I went to the clients. I sat down. We had a meeting face-to-face. I think anytime something really big is going on, a face-to-face meeting is the best way. Second to that, of course, a phone call works and an email is almost never the right thing to do when there's bad news. I sat down with the clients and I explained the situation. I told them how long I had worked with him, how many times he had met deadlines in the past. I told them what was going on. I told them he was in and out of the hospital, and I could tell by their face they were unimpressed with my apology because the bottom line is they were so disappointed they were not going to have this in time for Christmas. They planned to have this for Christmas. We planned for them to have it for Christmas with two months to spare, by the way. One thing I've learned about these kinds of situations is always go to the client with plan B. Come prepared with what you can do. So I knew we weren't going to have that room completely finished, but I did rally everybody I could. I was prepared to have the paneling in the room completely finished. We would have all the furniture installed. We would have the draperies installed, the light fixtures, the flooring. All of that would be done. And what would be missing was a big deal. It was the cabinetry. So I suggested we rent a freestanding bar. They would be able to use it for the holidays. It would be our expense. It would be our gift to them for the holidays. And that's how we moved forward. Were the clients happy? No. Were they impressed that I took responsibility for it? I think so. Um, And have I continued to work with a cabinet maker? I have. Although we had a very firm talk about how that might be handled in future. The second scenario has to do with you made a mistake And it can't be fixed with the snap of a fingers, which is exactly like the first example I gave. Uh, But it requires, perhaps, expense. So for example, I green-lighted placement of two pot lights in the living room once without following business of design's procedures and checks and balances because I was in a hurry and because I thought I knew the answer. And we put the pot lights in, and guess what? They were in the wrong place. So now, not only do they need to be moved, but the ceiling needs to be repaired. In those situations, I've learned to just come clean right at the beginning and say, truthfully, that is my mistake. I instructed uh, Gilles to put those lights exactly there. I did not look at the drawings. I thought I knew the placement. I was wrong. So in the meantime, you have light. It's not perfectly placed, uh, but we will return. We will move those lights, and we will have the painter patch and repair the ceiling, and that will be at our cost. And those kinds of mea culpa apologies tend to work very well with clients it's very difficult to take a human being out back and shoot them because they've made an honest stupid mistake so when it's an honest stupid mistake i just say it's an honest stupid mistake now you can't make a ton of them you know there's only so much latitude and grace a client's going to give you so hopefully there aren't a lot of them but i have found in the past that those honest stupid mistakes are expensive so i don't make them again The third category has to do with being the bearer of bad news when you had absolutely nothing to do with what's going on. This type of apology is a little bit trickier because I'm not 100% responsible for it. Um, Let me give you an example. I think I talked about this on the podcast. We had selected a quartz material, a new quartz material, and we were waiting to complete a client's kitchen uh, with this fabulous, gorgeous cool gray stone and everything else was on track in fact the whole project had gone swimmingly and I was feeling pretty smug and then I got the call from the fabricator I got the call from the stone fabricator the slab broke so we're going to have to order a new slab okay no big deal order a new slab That's something that's going to get worked out between the supplier of the slab and the fabricator of the slab. I may have to be the middleman, but there's absolutely nothing I can do about that. So we ordered a new slab. We still have plenty of time. Guess what? That slab breaks. How many times did we do this? Five times five times and it got very scary because at one point the client said if i have to change to a different material because that material is too brittle i want to rip out the entire kitchen which is something like 20 plus linear feet of countertop and backsplash already installed so at that point i'm really uncomfortable and nervous in any case i didn't make the slab material i'm not the fabricator And there's nothing I can do. I can't get in my car and go yell at someone and make this right. So in that case, I have to go to the client, and I have to explain that despite my best efforts, this is happening. And I want to acknowledge that I'm terribly, terribly sorry this is happening to you, to the client. I know you're excited about your new kitchen, and I am too. It's going to happen, I promise. We're just a little delayed on the timeline for the island countertop. I'm doing everything in my power to see that this is corrected. I've met with the stone supplier. I've met with the fabricator. They are now meeting together. I should have an answer by this Thursday about how we're going to proceed. And that's another thing, a timeline. By when will you have an answer? Because sometimes we just don't know how long it's going to take. So what I can say is I will have an answer about next steps for you on Thursday, not necessarily have an answer to the whole big problem, but I'll have an answer about next steps. In a situation like that where it's a big deal, I mean, it's a big deal when your island countertop isn't going to be ready on time, get to the point quickly, state it emphatically. There's nothing you did, quote unquote, wrong. So you don't want to go into that situation and just, you know, hat in hand, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. It's much more effective to state who who's going to be responsible for getting it right, what your involvement is, and what that's going to mean in terms of impacting the client. And then of course, yes, absolutely express regret. I'm really sorry this is happening to you. I know this is highly inconvenient to you. If it's any help at all, it's also inconvenient to my office, but that's not our concern. Our concern is you. And then with things that happen like that, those big things, it never hurts to send a gift certificate. It never hurts to send the couple out for dinner that week, Uh, those kinds of things can go a long way. In this scenario, I brought over a gift basket that included really good vodka, beautiful olives, some cocktail napkins, and a bottle of vermouth, so I knew exactly who my customer was, and they they were thrilled. The next category, let's call it I forgot to do something because, yeah, I forgot to do something. We had completed a client project. Everything was getting installed and looking gorgeous. And suddenly I realized during step 10, the clients are due home in the next day or so, that I never ordered hardware for the cabinetry in the office. I don't know why. I can't explain how I managed to miss that important detail, but miss it I did. There's nothing to do in that case except for to be direct to the client. And in fact, I told them before the reveal, everything is going great at your house. We can't wait to see you tomorrow. I want to give you a heads up about something. Your office built-ins are in. They're stunning. And I, in my great wisdom, failed to order any hardware for the office built-ins. I can't explain why I forgot to do that, but I did. I've already called around town. There's nothing in stock that I think is beautiful enough. So in this case, what I told the clients is I'm jumping on a plane to go to LA on the weekend. I will go to Liz's hardware. I will find in-stock hardware. I will bring it back a week later, and we will have it installed for you. She was fine about it. So it's okay, again, to just tell the truth. I made a mistake. I look back on my younger self in this business and these types of things, of course, they threw me in a way uh, that they don't today because I've been doing this for a while. So if you haven't been doing this as long and your stomach gets in knots just thinking about it, I want you to know that you're not alone. No matter what mistake you've made, I've made it twice. And Business of Design's community certainly has also made many mistakes. Talk about it. Tell someone. Uh, It really takes the sting off things. And then turn your attention away from I made a mistake to here's how I'm going to make sure that never happens again. One thing I know now that time spent catastrophizing is time wasted. So, in the example of the basement that wasn't going to be ready for Christmas, my mind immediately goes to, "Oh my God, they're going to die! They're going to yell at me! They're going to scream! They're not going to pay their bills! It's going to be a nightmare!" And none of that happened. Was it uncomfortable? Yes. Did it get worked out? Yes. Um, typically. That is almost always what happens. We go through these scenarios of wild drama, and it doesn't usually occur. When it does occur, though, and it hasn't happened to me in a while, but it has happened in the past. When it does occur, what I've learned, the louder the person speaking to you gets, the quieter you should get. The quieter you get, the calmer you get, the more... Their drama feels like hysterics and looks uncomfortable and feels uncomfortable. I've even said to people on occasion, look, we can continue to have this conversation up there at that level with everybody screaming and yelling. I don't think it's going to solve the problem. So with your permission, I would like us to just take a moment and breathe. Let's sit down and let's talk about this calmly. And it's my intention to satisfy you. Can we do that? That usually takes the snuff out of people and it calms down. And the other thing I want to say to my younger self and to those of you listening who are very hard on yourselves I know you are because we all are, right? I make a mistake and I'm like, oh, what an idiot. Why would I do that? Um, and I think I've shared this before. I try not to say anything to myself I wouldn't say to one of my children. I cannot imagine saying to Cooper, what an idiot why did you do that, you know, or to Raleigh, what a moron, why would you do that? No. So if I wouldn't say it to them, why would I say it to myself? It's important to let yourself off the hook for making a mistake. We're human beings, we do make mistakes. And that doesn't absolve us of the responsibility of digging into the issue to find out where we could have done something better. But beating yourself up isn't going to serve anyone. Finally, I want to say that it's helped me in the past, when a problem is really big, uh, to look at best case scenario and worst case scenario. What is the worst thing that could happen? She could scream and yell. She could fire me. She could throw me out of her house. She could take a full page ad in the LA Times and tell the whole world that I'm the worst designer who ever walked the face of the earth. That would be bad. That would be really bad. I would hate that, right? Those are some bad things that could happen. And once I really think about those, it's pretty clear to me that's probably not What's going to happen? And then I want to turn my attention to what's the best outcome here. And the best outcome almost always is the client understands that sincerely you regret that this situation has occurred. You've taken responsibility for it if it's your responsibility to take. And you've certainly taken responsibility for getting the problem corrected. And with any luck, you've improved your relationship and developed a level of trust because you've Put your integrity, you've put your integrity on the line. Best case scenario also means ultimately the client will be satisfied. They might be satisfied a week later than they hope to be satisfied, but they will be satisfied. And I think it should also mean that you don't feel that you've groveled, that you've had to beg or plead, um, and that you've behaved with integrity towards yourself as well what do I mean by that? Sometimes I see designers taking responsibility for things they couldn't possibly have control over and punishing themselves over and over again. I won't charge you for that. I won't charge for that. I'll do that for free. Don't worry about it. That's on me. When in fact, this job is so complicated. There's so many moving parts. It isn't necessary for us to do that. So I think integrity definitely should be pointed at your clients. It should be pointed at your trades. And I think you should internalize that as well and make sure you value and honor the hard work that you do every day. I value and honor you. I really do. I learned so much from this community and I thank you so much for your generosity and sharing everything that happens in your business. Um, Thank you so much for making me a part of your team strategy for success Uh, I've got your back and I know you've got mine and go out there and have an amazing week in your design business. Thanks for listening. Thank you for being part of the Business of Design community. If you love what we do, please show your support by subscribing to the podcast and rating our efforts. Remember, you can be a part of the podcast by sharing your comments, ideas, and questions via the BOD hotline at 416-780-9187, extension 107, or by sending an MP3 file to info at businessofdesign.com. And when you're ready to transform your business and your life, sign up for a monthly or annual membership. Together, we will achieve extraordinary results. Start today.